think that would be my advice. Ask yourself some hard questions. You know, who are the people around you? What do they, what do they add to your life? What do you add to theirs? What is it that you find important? What do you find interesting? What do you enjoy? Um, you know, all of those things, whether you're, you know, you are going to enter the workforce or you're going to travel, like those answering, answering those questions will help you. And so I think just sitting in and asking those difficult questions of yourself um, and of the people around you too, what, do, what does that person add? Um, you know, that those are really important things and, and, and something I wish I did a heck of a lot earlier, frankly. In 1837, Horace Mann created the education system a system at the time designed to pump out factory workers and professors. The same system that is still being used today in the 21st century. Now, man's system is backfiring. We are being molded by the same industrial system that has existed for close to 200 years. That system delivers us into a digital economy that has no need of our outdated skills. This isn't our teacher's fault. This isn't the government's fault. This is due to a rapidly changing world full of technology and unforeseen circumstances. And us Gen Zs are caught in the middle. Welcome to the Driven Young Podcast, the podcast for stressed, overwhelmed young Australians, teaching you practical life skills you can implement now to set yourself up in life. And now your host, Byron Dempsey. Welcome back to the Driven Young Podcast. And today I'm joined by Kirsten Sleman. Kirsten is an undergraduate student completing a dual Bachelor of Journalism and Bachelor of Science Zoology major who plans to break the mold of science communication and documentary filmmaking. Now that is very niche, so why have I got Kirsten on the podcast? Well, this week's episode is all about self-discovery as well as finding your feet in STEM. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Math. Kirsten is unique because she decided to go to university at 26 years old and she actually created her own degree in a sense. She discovered two things she's passionate about, science and communication, and studied those two subjects, creating her own field in a sense. Today we talk about what Kirsten did before she was 26 and went to uni, how much traveling changed her life, how to get into STEM in a non-traditional way, how to discover what to do with your life, and immediate next steps to take, and so much more. As per usual, please DM me or Kirsten on Instagram if you enjoyed this episode. If you live in Sydney, check out my upcoming Gap Year program this December. Grab a copy of my new book, 18 and Lost, So Are We. Take the Are You Ready for Uni quiz. All the links are in the description below. Now, over to Kirsten. All right, Kirsten, welcome so much to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about, I mean, as usual, we're going to be talking a lot about um, after high school, what your next steps are, um, specifically more in the STEM field, which stands for science, technology, maths, and engineering. Wait, en- yes. engineering and maths, bad spelling there. Um, you know, very linear, very... I guess, traditional pathways and a lot of what we learn in school are STEM. And, but you've taken a bit of your own approach on it. And so this is for people who may, might be interested in STEM, but not so much interested in like the traditional lab coat wearing experiments, but more what to do with the data and all that sort of stuff. Um, sounds very specific, sounds very niche, but we will keep it broad and um, a bit of, bit of both. Um, so before we get into that kind of stuff and funding and grants and all that, I'd love to just know a little bit about your life, what you did after high school specifically and what you're currently up to. Yeah, for sure. I had a really different entry into university. I was in a career for nearly 12 years. Um, I found myself in in London. I, I thought, you know, travel was, was um, such a joy. So I did as much of that as I could um, while I was working. But while I was there, um, you know, I really realized that, I, you know, what it helped me unpack what my next steps were. Um, so I was 26 
when I decided that I was going to change my career and it was a completely different career path and it came to me out of the blue. Um, you know, I knew I wanted to change, but getting to that point, um, uni had never seemed like an option to me. It just it, it didn't seem like it could fit into my life or it was an option. So um, it it surprised me a lot that that's where I ended up. But it, and very late in life as well, very late in life, later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And so what did you do right after high school? Sorry. So I entered the workforce straight away. I worked yeah, okay. um, with my family. I worked in finance, um, yeah, and spent 12 years. I mean, a completely different to career, career to where I am now. Um, yeah, so- that's something I see is very popular. You saying, you know, I switched my career at 26 is very common, I think. And I think a lot of people think it's uncommon. It's like, whoa, you switch your entire career. It's like heaps of people do that because so many people aren't sure what they want to You're 26. You're still so young. And especially at 18, it's like, yeah, I picked something when I was 18. I didn't know what I wanted when I was 18. I was 18 years mm-hmm. old. How could I know what I want? Um, and now I'm going, okay, now I've got the maturity to realize, actually, maybe I want to go this way. And so at 26, you went back to, or not back to, you went to university, didn't you? Yeah, for the first time. And I've got to agree with you because as soon as I started talking about wanting to do this, people were really shocked. Um, I had a few people reach out and say that that's what they had done. But um, yeah, it isn't common. But to me, it made a lot of sense because you know, if I had gone to uni before that that moment, I wouldn't have known what I was going to do. I would have just gone because, I don't know, it made sense. Mm. Um, and I can't see that, that that would have been very easy for me to succeed there. So I'm really, really grateful that I sort of took that journey and really advocate for it. Um, so yeah, at 26, I enrolled in a dual degree, a Bachelor of Science and a Bachelor of Journalism, which uh, is a four-year degree together. So yeah, a lot of people were sort of saying, you're going to graduate when you're 30. But, you know, I, I think a changing career path really needs to evolve and change with you and your interests. Um, and so if a couple of years from now I change my direction again, that makes complete sense to me if that's what I want uh, and what I'm passionate about. So yeah, it's 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 so important people understand that like at 26, you go to university might seem like a big deal when you're 18 and stuff. It's like, whoa, 26, you're so old at that age. It's like, no one really cares. It's like university is full of all different ages. You've got people who are 50 years old doing their masters. Um, actually, my most recent ep- episode, Justine, she's got whatever amount of qualifications, very t- intelligent woman, and she's doing a master's in um like family therapy or something and she's got a group of other people and they're all like middle-aged they've all got kids and everything at university and so this idea that like you're going to be old or be like i know i have to go to university while i'm young you know god forbid i'd be 25 when i'm doing university is so silly and i think the wrong way to look at it because you're better off to take time off to figure out what you want to do and then go to uni when you're 20 or 21 or even 26 going okay this is now i know what i want to do this is really aligned rather than jumping in because of the wrong reasons. Yeah, I agree. I think the idea that, um, you know, you know what you want to do and you stay in that path for your entire life, that's really ancient feeling to me. It It just doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. Um, I worked this out at 26 um, and, you know, I'm going to do another degree after this, but I, I would really advocate for people just to have more of an open mind that if you're interested in something and you want to pursue it, there's a lot of structural financial things in place to help you do that, especially here in Australia. Um, so I think, you know, you really have to take advantage of that and at whatever, you know, time in your life that, that you're at. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's very important that people can hopefully understand this at a young age. I feel like a lot of people need to live it before they can really comprehend it. They'll be like, mm. they're 21 going, oh, now I understand what you guys meant. I thought I'd feel old at 21. It's like, no, you, you really don't. You've got lots of time. And so, yeah, I think it's important that people can hopefully understand that. And I don't know. I don't know what's going on in people nowadays. Obviously, with COVID and everything, it's kind of a different scene. And I think one of the best things that I did was travel as well because um, leaving Australia and you travel so far, things are so different. You, you can't, yeah. um, you know, get to, to London in a short amount of time. And, and I lived there for many years, travelled through Europe, and it just really helped me understand my how big the world was. Um, and so in a kind of scary way, it showed me how many options there were but it helped me better understand who I was um, in, you know, you face a lot of challenges when you're traveling, a lot of different experiences. Um, you know, I really advocate for that. I would love to see that, you know, more people took that pathway because through school, it's such an intense 12 years. How are you meant to stop at a certain point and, and work out what it is that you want and who you are? You know, I, I think people need to hit the pause button at that point mm. and, you know, and ask themselves those questions. Yeah. What is it that I want? What fulfills me? What's the next step? I, I think if you were able to make that decision and transition from straight into school, uh, sorry, straight from school into university, that seems incredibly challenging to me. Um, yeah, I really advocate for taking that time out. Well, it's, it's the key word I think is self-discovery. It's like mm -hmm. take, take some time to do self-discovery because uh, school does not teach it at all. They do not teach mm -hmm. you anything about yourself and be, being able to, you know, recognize what's going on in your body, recognize how to deal with, you know, mental mental health stuff, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with stress. They don't teach you anything about that, mm -hmm. um, which is mind blowing to me. So you've really got to work on that when you graduate high school. And I think, and you know, that's why I'm working on this gap year project so that it's like a break. So you've just done yeah. 12 years of schooling. Why not have a break, have fun, learn, travel, meet new people, do all of that, and you're going to learn so much about yourself and about the world. It's crazy how many people I have on the show who say exactly what you just said. They're like, you know, I went traveling and it was one of the best things I ever did. No, I've never heard anyone in my life say, I went traveling and I massively regretted it. <laughs> no, neither have I. I. I mean, this as self-discovery is the best word. That This I discovered so much about what I wanted, who I was, but also what I was capable of, you know. Um, and I think that now as an adult, when I take on a big task, like I've just graduated my four-year degree, um, and it's really important at that point that I have to stop and take take stock and reassess again so that I can make my next step. And I think that's something that I wish they did teach us was to take that time out. You know, life isn't about just constantly working so, so hard either at study or at work. So that jump, that push to move from straight from school into, um, you know, the workforce, a career or uh, university, that just seems mad to me. I, I really wish that was different. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think it is Mad is a good word. Mad is a really good word, actually. I think it is mad that I, I think it should be like a legal requirement that everyone takes a gap year or takes a year off. Um, I can only see benefits from that. I think it would reduce the dropout rate of university, um, which is high. You know, one in three people drop out before the first year of university because, and why is that? Mm -hmm. Because they're picking something that doesn't align with what they want to do and they're not sure what they want to do. Um, among many other reasons. But yeah, I think traveling, self discovery, Everything like that is all, you know, what I'm really trying to push with this gap year project. And even mm -hmm. if you don't want to join the gap year or you live in a different country or anything like that, 
you know, you can travel, you can find, you could study abroad, you can study and travel at the same time. There's so many options that are exciting to me rather than just, you know, getting up, catching a train into the city to go to uni or doing half your course online, which to me just sounds really mundane and not very exciting. Um, You know, give yourself a break. I think 12 years of schooling is really intense and especially the HSC is very, very intense. So you deserve Mm -hmm. some time off. Absolutely. And I think like what that's looked like for me in practice is that, you know, when by the time I'd gotten to university, I felt like I was, it was almost like I had something that my colleagues didn't because I knew, I knew why I was there. I didn't know the outcome, but I knew why I was there. And so that really drove me every day. And university is incredibly hard and finding Mm. opportunities while you're there outside of the degree, uh, all of that incredibly challenging, but to have that drive behind me and that knowledge, that sense of direction that, you know, I felt like that really was such an asset to me. Um, Yeah. So I think it it only um, benefited me and, and so much so. Mm, awesome. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm beating a, um, a dead horse here because I always talk about this on the podcast, but you know, I don't mind talking about it again, just because it's like if people listen, hopefully this message can start to drill into them and recognize that this isn't just my opinion. I'm shoving it down your throat. It's you mm. agree. All these other people I have on the show all agree. I'm not, I'm not finding people who agree with my opinion. You know, you reached out to me. People, I bring them on the show. I have no idea what this story is and they all seem to agree with this message. Um, yeah. and so hopefully they can understand that. Before we move on, I would say, you know, I've, I don't even know. I've got my book coming out here, 18 and lost. So are we. Um, which is, you know, eight, eight authors. I'm one of the eight authors. I'm chapter two. In my sec, in my chapter, I wrote about, um, two two fictional characters, Sarah and Josh, comparing them. One went to took a gap year and kind of went to Europe to um you know and started a little online business. One went to become a doctor and he's got lots of money, lots more traditional success. We kind of analyzed the difference between them and which one is really success, which is kind of what we were just talking about here. That's awesome. Uh, and I think yeah, like I'm so glad that you're doing this. And as you say, you know, I reached out to you. Um, if if I think though, people make you feel like it's not possible. If people, you know, choose to go straight into work and there's so many societal, cultural, financial pressures that push you toward that choice, but it's so incredibly possible and there are so many options, as you've said, you know. So I completely agree and and I love what you're doing. I think that's why, um, you know, people are so attracted to this space and, and, you know, we need more support to help people do that. If it was mandatory, I would definitely get behind that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, other countries have like mandatory military service. Mm, absolutely. So like I visited Israel last year. They have a very long military service. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty intense, but there's stuff out there where like you have to do. Um, anyways, let's move on to more of, um, <laughs> you know, what we wanted, the, I guess, the meat of the episode. Um, so you are currently in science and communication. Did you want to explain, I guess, what that actually means and what your role is? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll explain kind of how I landed on it. As as you said, when people think about STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, math, they think about people in a lab coat. And, and that's certainly what I studied at school when it came to science, what comes to my mind. But, you know, I grew up just absolutely uh, in love with the natural world. I mean, obsessed, you know, crawling up creeks, looking for bugs, all sorts of things like that. I just loved it. And when I think about science, to me, I think about Attenborough and his beautiful films. And so when I realized that I wanted a different direction in my life, I thought about all the things that I love and that just was so forefront to my mind. 
Um, but I uni never felt like an option to me, as I said before. Um, so I really looked at, okay, well, I, I couldn't wear a lab coat. That's not really what I want. Um, but what David Attenborough does is communicate science, mm. um, you know, and, and I thought, well, gosh, that's what I want to do. You know, how can I make that happen? And um, I'm from Queensland, so I found a degree there, this dual degree, that I thought, well, I can marry those two together, communication and science, and just see what happens. Um, they are two separate degrees, so I really had to do a lot of work to um, pull them together. Mm. Um, but I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go and just see what happens. And what happened was I got ridiculous amounts of support from people in communication advocating for science communication and on the other side as well, scientists advocating for this field. So it is really non-traditional. It's not common. Um, certainly people communicate science, right? We, you know, um, but it's arguable how well that's done. Um, there's a lot, uh, a huge rise in misinformation. I mean, the position we find ourselves in now is terrifying with regard to misinformation. So um, oh, I for mean, me. With COVID, has it not just been amplified? absolutely gut-wrenching, you know, and for somebody in the field, even I find it difficult. So, mm. you know, how is any anyone else meant to be navigating this? It's it's atrocious. And, um, you know, so I really advocate for this space. I think that if we can communicate science in a way that's engaging, um, then, you know, because people adore science, people are really interested, they want to find out, they want to know more. Mm. Um, and when it comes to these humongous challenges like COVID, um, you know, climate change, how are we meant to navigate those things if we don't understand them? Uh, and so for me, my career has really evolved from um, an interest and what I saw as a need, um, but, you know, has has moved forward from there as, as something I see as absolutely crucial to um, not only Australia's future, future but, um, you know, how are we meant to tackle these global issues if we can't help people understand them. We, you know, we need to move forward as a society, not mm. um, one or two scientists. You know, these are, it's, they're human issues that we're talking about, not issues of science um, alone anyway. So, so yeah, I'm uh, obviously <laughs> super passionate about it, yeah. uh, really advocate for it. So, yeah, so that's in a nutshell what science communication is. So, is it, it's kind of like you're just, you're raising awareness for certain types of projects in science because I think obviously scientists are good at what they're good at which is being mm. scientists and doing the math and the chemistry and all that stuff but they're not probably good at marketing and raising awareness to what they want to do so you're, I guess you're trying to fill that gap. Yeah it can look really different so I can work with a scientist and help them you know communicate their work um, or you can work on a larger issue but in a really general sense science has its own language right and makes it really difficult to access and so I try to pull that out without losing, um, you know, the complexity and, and what's at the heart of the work. Um, but just allow anybody to sort of pick it up and engage with it and understand mm. it. And, and, um, you know, and I, it, you can't do that now. You can't pick up a scientist's, uh, work because they'll publish it in a journal. Um, and for anyone that's outside of their specific field, it won't be understood. And so it's just about let's use some, mm. some, more common language um, and, and help people understand and engage with it. Well, this is what I do at um, <clears throat> with a lot of stuff I talk about. Like it's really, and this is a big gripe I have with like professors or teachers a lot of the time. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a professor. I, I teach at university because I'm, I've, been, I've been in this field for 20 years. Okay, 
that means you know everything about the field that's great but have you learned have you learned how to teach have you studied how to present and how to teach um and empower you this program i run it's 20 24 hours of content in two days so 12 hours day one 12 hours day two and i've spent like over a year learning how to present and how to keep everyone engaged how to use language so it's simplified because we're talking to 15 year olds here and to Mm -hmm. 18 19 year olds um, and it's like we spent so much time perfecting that art of presenting and teaching and communicating, and not many people do that. They're just like they just think, you know, I'm an I'm an expert in the field, therefore I can teach it. It's like no, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it can be very difficult if you've got like a scientist who who knows this language and is speaking this, and and they put it out there, but it's not sexy. It's not I'm not going to understand it. It's too dry for me. Um, mm. And so I guess you, if you take it in a way and you can make it a bit sexier and a bit easier for people to understand, because when they understand it, they're more likely to get on board. That's right. Yeah. And I think what Attenborough does with his films is is really remarkable in that because you experience it. You don't just, you know, you don't just hear it and understand it. You're experiencing it. But I think that, you know, in Australia, we we don't do collaboration or innovation really well. And that's kind of what we're talking about here, you know, um, collaborating between a student and a teacher so that they can understand, communicating between a scientist and the community, community and, you know, innovating, finding ways to do that. And, um, you know, we're not necessarily very good at doing that. And so I think it feels a bit out of the norm a lot of the time, what I do, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, but innovating and creating something new, that's how we need to, to move forward. If you identify an issue, you can't use the same tools to fix it that created the issue in the first place. So, um, you know, I wish there was more of that. Um, yeah, but really advocate for it. I think if there's something you're interested in or a problem that you see, just get creative. And, well, that was going to be... That was going to be my next point because, I mean, mm. we don't want to go too detailed into science and communication because it's very niche. Mm. Um, it is really interesting, though. Uh, I love how you've kind of married the two together. But my, I think that the key point of and why I wanted to bring you on and talk about was how you you found something that doesn't really exist, science communication. Mm. It's, there is no degree for it. You mentioned you found two separate degrees um, and the degrees themselves were fine, but you just spent a lot of time, you know, marrying them together. Like, okay, I've got communication skills. I've got science skills. But now how do I put them together? And um, so the, it doesn't exist in terms of what you exactly needed, but you found a way. And that's what I talk about a lot in this podcast. It's like if you find a problem that you're passionate about, you can find a way to make money and make a living off it. You don't have to go down these other routes that are considered maybe a plan B or a safer pathway. Now, you you might not make as much money as being an engineer or a doctor or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a teacher or I don't know, whatever it is, whatever your backup plan is or whatever the safer route is, but you might be more fulfilled. You, you know, how fulfilling is it to communicate a scientist project so he gets funding and then he's able to do what he's good at and he can help self, solve lives or solve huge problems? Like that's very fulfilling. Mm. I mean, let's just say there's things that are way more important than money. Mm. Right. And what drives me isn't money. It'd be silly if it did, because, you know, um, it's a difficult field to make money in. And um, yeah, I I completely agree. I think that um, you can find a way to make these things happen if you're being creative and, and, you know, being really innovative in your thinking. And that's what what I've tried to do. Um, But, you know, you've really got to think about what it is that you value. And and, um, I think, you know, we get push so hard in terms of money but um 
I can't tell you how much more valuable my work is to me and how much better I can do it. You know, I had this separate career. And when I look at the work that I did there, sure, I was a hard worker there. I still did good work. But now this is, I live and breathe this. I adore it. It doesn't feel like work at all. Mm. And it is a heck of a lot of work. I mean, mm. you know, I've probably never worked harder for, for anything to create these opportunities and things, but it is so fulfilling and so worthwhile. So, you know, as I said before, it motivated me at uni with that challenge and it motivates me now because it's what I love and, and what I really believe in. Wow. I mean, that's so cool. And I love hearing people um, like you who, you know, who say that word, it doesn't feel like work. And mm. it's like, that's always the best thing, I think. Um, and there's people who argue, you know, there's different ways to approach life. Like I know people who will not enjoy their work, but it pays well. And so they'll work at that and then they'll go do their hobbies and stuff. And that's a great way to do it if that's what you want to do. You know, my personal belief is, you know, how many hours in our life do we spend at work? It's a lot, <laughs> you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a good percentage of our life. So you, yeah. you should, you might as well try find something you enjoy and you love. And it's easier said than done for sure. But as you mentioned, you know, you didn't discover it until you were 26 and lots of people don't discover it until they're 35. Lots of people never discover it. Um, mm -hmm. So don't put this pressure, especially for young people at like 18 or 19, they have to discover it. Um, which links back to what we said earlier about self-discovery, figuring mm. out what you want to do. And I think I think the only thing I'd correct you on is to say you may never find it. I think you absolutely will if you're looking for it and you're asking yourself those questions about what is it that I find important, you know, and just believing that there is uh, a possibility that, that you, um, whatever it is, you might want to be an astronaut and you're there sitting, you know, like I was working in finance. Well, there are pathways toward that. And um, as soon as you start working towards it, you're already there. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I was more saying like some people never find it because, mm. and the main reason is probably because you're not looking. That's um, it. If, yeah. I agree. If you're looking and you're actively making an effort, you'll eventually find it. You can't not because you're putting mm. in work. I think a lot of people will settle for something and really that's it. They'll settle. Yeah. And, and um, I was there for that 12 years. You know, I, I had no passion about finance <laughs> and um, it made a lot of sense. It, it earned me money. It helped me travel. And I'm very thankful for that. But um you know, I knew I wanted something different. I knew I needed more. And, and when I think back to that, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that it happened, but I'm very grateful that um, I was able to find that different direction because my life, it just sort of blossomed from that point, as did I. I, I think that I just have grown so much in that time and, you know, have become someone that I'm really proud of mm. as well. Yeah, which is, which is awesome. Like, it's really great to hear. Um, but linking back to what you said before about when we're talking about money um mm -hmm. people who know my show and i'm a big advocate that we should be learning more financial literacy and how to manage our money and here's mm -hmm. a thing applying it to your life even if you're on a lower paycheck than you were at your job you're enjoying it you're loving it money is still important you need money to survive you need money to live to travel all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. if you can start saving and be smart from a young age. A lot of that won't matter because you've got it. You've got it saved, and you've got that financial habit, and you're you're, you're not living beyond your means. And so you don't need a hundred thousand dollar job or a hundred fifty thousand dollar job. You can live very comfortably on sixty, seventy, whatever it is that is you know equivalent to you. Um, and obviously, I've got other episodes on money and finance, but that is where it's kind of like having that money and having that savings allows you to take bigger risks because mm -hmm. you've got that backup and you've got that safety net. And I think because you, you know, you work super hard if you have a $100,000 job, I'm sure you do, but um, working and saving for it, that that money is 
more valuable um, because you've got those habits that come along with it that will mm. support you throughout your life. So, um, yeah, I, I'm grateful that, um, you know, I my family brought me up in that way. And so when I decided to travel, that was something that uh, was was possible and as was university. Um, and we're very lucky here in Australia that we have support for those things too. But, um, you know, would I have survived four years of university uh, without those habits? Absolutely not. Um, mm. You know, it's you get our study here, which is great, but um, you know, I was working two degrees, <laughs> so um, finding work in amongst that is really hard. And um, you know, if I wasn't able to work and save and and be pretty frivolous, uh, not frivolous, uh, yeah, then I wouldn't have been able to do it. So um, yeah, I really advocate for those things being being taught a lot earlier on, and and why I really champion what you're doing here. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Um, again, it's um, yeah, it, it's super important that we can understand the financial, the just the benefits. And, and once mm-hmm. again, it's similar to what I said earlier, earlier on. It's easy for us to look back and be like, yeah, money and finance is so important. But for a young person to get it through their head and be like, okay, now I understand it. Now I understand it. That's what I'm hoping episodes like mm-hmm. this can do. Um, because it's just crucial that you can get on top of this. And I want to, I mean, I know I've used the words, you know, creative and innovative so much, but turning this into a finance thing. So I'm facing a challenge at the moment where uh, I've been offered a position in a very prestigious master's degree, best in the world, best film school in the world. Attenborough himself teaches into it. Ludicrous. It has never had an Australian student, which is appalling, Um, And so something that it's a dream position for me, but something that's I feel really important to um, Australia more generally. But it's been so difficult for me to find um, funding to support that, which sounds pretty (laughs) grim. But what I've had to do is be really creative and, and thinking about, okay, well, how can I earn money myself? Where can I find opportunities? Who can I speak to? Those sorts of things. And look, it's been really hard. I take nothing away from that. But I have been so humbled by people in my community, people outside of my community. Um, there should absolutely, nobody should have to, you know, work that hard to access funding for their education. Um, but the moment that you start to be creative about it, there are opportunities. And so, you know, yes, it's really hard. I, I don't take anything away from that. But um you know, there are opportunities there and you can create opportunities. We're so lucky to be able to innovate in that way. Um, you know, I've, I launched a crowdfunding seven days ago and it's at 75% of its goal, which is humongous. Um, you know, so I, I think and that, that's not you don't have like a massive social media following or anything like you're oh, not like no. some influencer who launched a crowdfunding campaign and it's, you know, instantly fulfilled. You're just, in, you know, and no disrespect, an everyday person who's mm. been able to achieve this, which is great because my listeners are everyday people. It's like, mm. don't think you have to be this famous Instagram or whatever star to do stuff. Like I've seen heaps of people have launched campaigns and just reached out to friends and done lots of stuff because they wanted it. And there's my mentor, Brent, who runs Empower You. I mentioned it earlier. He was just like, and this is a grim example, but he's the point is to get the point across. He said, you know, for any parents out there, if I, if someone kidnapped your children and said, you've got to find $2 million in six months and we'll give you your children back, would you be able to find it? Of course, because Amen. the why is strong enough. And so it's like, whatever. And you could do that if it's your sister or your mom, your parents are kidnapped or your dog was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. What would you be willing to do? So it's not that you can't do it. It's maybe your, your why is not strong enough or you're not yeah. wanting to do it because I promise you, if you put your mind to something, it's really incredible what you can achieve. Absolutely. And, you know, I, 
my drive in this space really links back to my travel honestly because when you travel you face and I traveled alone a lot of the time um by choice and and otherwise not but you face challenges you wouldn't otherwise and so you come out of that experience realizing how resilient you are how many opportunities there are and you know that has has just driven me so much and so yeah it is really challenging and no I don't have this huge network at all um but people are very supportive of you know people just giving it a go and look if I aim this high and I don't get there I will be so disappointed, but I wouldn't change a thing because mm. this is me, you know, putting everything I've got into this field. And so, as I said earlier, it it doesn't feel like work. Um, this is what I need to do. There isn't a choice for me. Um, you know, I really see the value in this and, and um, I'm just giving it everything I've got. So, yes, it's hard, but it is so worthwhile. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the have you heard of the six human needs? No, it's just so. this. Um, it's just it's not you know backed by science or anything, but it's just like the, we believe you know there are six human needs um, that we need in order to live like a fulfillment fulfillment life. Um, number one is variety. Number two is certainty. Um, number three, I can't remember all of them, but like fulfillments in their um, contribution, love and connection those sort of things are the six human needs. Um, and it's like, well, if you've got those six things, fine, you know, money doesn't really matter um, mm. at the end of the day. Obviously it matters as in you need money to survive, but you don't need hordes of it or excess amounts of it, or you don't need massive high paying jobs that you don't enjoy um, because you're being, your six human needs or at least a bunch of them are being met through what you're doing because it's fulfillment. It's unpredictable. There's growth. There's love and connection because people, mm. if you can get funding for them, they, you know, give you lots of love, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think if you can find something that fits a lot of those needs, it's a really good way to approach life and approach your career. Absolutely. I think that, you know, would I have been able to achieve these things without having a firm understanding of who I am and what I want, regardless of, you know, the career that I wanted, but who I am um, really fundamentally and, and what fulfills me, then no, no, I wouldn't have. If I didn't focus on those things that are, like you've said, so much more valuable than money, um, I wouldn't have been able to achieve it. And so I think that building that foundation is crucial, regardless of what you want to achieve. Um, mm. You know, you it, it doesn't matter the details around that. It doesn't matter whether you, um, you know, pioneer a field or, you you know, like like we are. It's anything that you choose to do, you're going to enjoy a lot more and have a more fulfilled life and feel more able, have more opportunities um, if you do fundamentally understand who you are. Um, yeah. And yeah. who you are. I know this message, people be like, okay, how do I discover that? Well, we've kind of already said it. Traveling, mm -hmm. you know, if, not specifically traveling, but traveling is going to help because, and why traveling? Because it's going to put you in situations that you're not used to and you're going to discover how you react. You're going to meet new people that are going to open you up to new opportunities. You're going to do all this stuff is going to happen when you put yourself out there get out of, you know, your hometown, you know, go mm -hmm. live with people, do all this stuff, and you're going to start to discover who you are and what you want to do with your life. Um, just Googling or taking quizzes online or, you know, what career am I good for isn't really going to do anything. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. That's how you can yeah. discover. And, and people I think it's might... worth saying, sorry, I think it's worth I'm saying sorry. as well that as we've said, you know, knowing what you want to do, it sounds really ephemeral, um, but it changes. And mm. so who you are today and knowing who that person is, is about where have you come from? Where do you think you might want to go? Um, but it will change. 
and it's not a, a job that ever finishes. You know, it's something that, you know, you need to keep working on, but it's just gives you a, a somewhere to move from. Um, you know, you might, you might think, oh, you know, this is who I am and this is where I want to be. And you can see a, the journey between those two points. And, uh, and it's constant, absolutely constant, just as I might today know that this is what I want to do, but that might change and that's okay. And I think that in both of those instances, it's just about being open um, to the change and um, having a firm understanding of, of who I am and, and what I am passionate about. Well, that helps me when things change. So. Mm. Well, you said it earlier, um, I forget the word you said, but it's very, you know, the modern world isn't you get a job and you work in there and then you retire. Like it's very much, I think the average young person or the average people are now working seven to 10 jobs throughout their life. Um, Whereas my grandfather, you know, got a job as a builder and was a builder and then that's kind of it. So this traditional pathway of getting a job and then retiring is very much gone out the window. Um, Mm -hmm. People are working lots of different jobs within different industries as well. Um, and they're going, they're going from here to here to here to here. And I find that exciting because the idea of working in one job for me is kind of terrifying and just doing the same thing. It's, um, it's definitely, it's definitely not the life I would specifically want to live, but I totally respect it if you do, but I think the world is definitely heading down this multiple career pathways, which is why if you hit 25 or 26 or a certain age and want to change careers, you shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't feel like you've wasted your life or wasted time. Um, it's just trying to a big part of this podcast is trying to help relieve that pressure people are dealing with that we deal with in Australian society and I guess probably most of the world. Mm, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's worth saying that, you know, we're all out here just trying to figure it out. We're all just fumbling around trying to trying to work it out. And the more that I try, the better I feel. So, mm. you know, although it's really scary to think, okay, I've recognized I'm unsatisfied by where I'm at, whether that's in a job or at university, whatever it is. But looking at the change and there'll be people around you sort of shouting from from the rafters, like, it's too scary, don't do it. Um, but at the end of the day, the moment that you try, and you might make a wrong choice, and that's okay, um, because the moment you realize that you are unsatisfied by the place that you're in, um, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors or anyone else around you, for that matter, by choosing to stay. Um, but the moment that you even just start looking and start thinking about it, um, you know, you'll recognize a difference sort of straight away. Absolutely. Yeah. And I hope people can take this message and really, you know, apply it to their own life and think, am mm-hmm. I, depending on where you are in life, am I doing what I really want to do or am I doing more what society wants me to do or I'm not too sure what to do? And I created the, I actually created an Are You Ready for Uni quiz, which talks, has a lot of these heavy questions in it. I actually had a teach, I shared it in a teacher's Facebook group and one of the teachers was just like, um, some of these questions are a little bit too heavy for my students. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's the point. It's say, welcome to life. Life isn't going to be easy on them. Um, These questions are supposed to be heavy. They're supposed to get you thinking. Mm. Um, And they're not even, I mean, some of them are heavy, but they're not that bad. But it shows just how, I guess, soft or protective. Yeah, we we don't have that affinity for difficult questions, though, you know, like difficult conversations. And I think that, um, you know, if there is something you're not sure of, you know that you, you don't feel comfortable with it, but you're not sure why, well, Let's just talk about it. And that's really what you do is, is you let people play with these ideas and, and um, have a think about it. But, you know, I'd encourage people to do it in their everyday life. If you get asked, you know, you try to do the quiz that you've created and it's a bit uncomfortable, well, 
you know, let's lean into it as far as we can and, and you know, something will come out of that. Nothing bad can happen from asking a question about why. Mm. So you might not know the answer, but that's okay. Now you know that you don't know the answer. And that's more than you knew yeah. to begin with. Well, I mean, I, I give a score at the end of the quiz based on the answers they gave and it'll be like, you know, out of 100%. Now, if they get 90%, it doesn't mean, yes, you have to go to uni. And if they get 20%, it doesn't mean, no, don't go to uni. The the score itself ultimately doesn't mean anything. It's mm. just, you know, to give you, like, really, the, the objective of the quiz was to get you just thinking about these questions, just by, mm. by having the questions pop up. And even if you pop up and answer it within a few seconds, hopefully it's just triggered or how do you, how do you thinking, oh, yeah, I never really thought about that. Um, because people avoid these questions. And if anyone's listening, you can take that quiz for free. It's a link in the bio. Um, but I, I don't know. I've got a very strong opinion on, I think, where this generation's too protected. And as a result, once they enter the adult world, they get hit like a truck because you're not as protected in the adult world. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, I would really encourage people just to think about everything in school is geared towards the result you get at the end of grade 12, <laughs> everything. Mm. So everything's going to point in that direction until you start looking in, looking around. Um, and I think that's really challenging, but recognizing that the whole system is set up for you to end up in that place, that it should be questioned. You, mm. you should be thinking about, well, that doesn't ask what I want or what I'm interested in at all. And, um, you know, that that's really not fair. But I think that the moment you realize it's set up for that, you understand why those pressures start coming at you and why you feel the need to then take that next step straight into uni or straight into work, because that's what it's set up to make you feel like. Um, but it's not set up for individuals. It doesn't ask you any questions about what you care about, where you might want to go, what you're interested in. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a good little rant. I was just thinking that'll be a good little clip. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. Obviously, you know, I agree. I think so much of school is all geared towards your marks and they prioritize marks over anything else, really, even the students' well-being. Again, this isn't the principal or the teachers. It's more just like the education system itself is really geared towards marks. And if you don't mm -hmm. fit in within, within that box of getting the right marks, it can be very challenging for you. So there's a lot to unpack there. But yeah. um, I did want to just, you know, kind of wrap up. And I guess before I get to the final question, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I know, you, you know, you, you've managed to find funding for the school that you're going to. You've managed to create your own career path, essentially, by combining university degrees um, because you originally found a problem that you thought was big and, and you can help solve this problem. It's very inspiring that you've just, you know, figured out what you want to do and created it. It didn't exist. I'll create it. And that's kind of like a yeah. growth mindset. It's like, oh, this career doesn't exist. Damn, I'll look at something else. Well, why don't you create it? <laughs> and I think yeah. it's really cool. But is there anything, any other key points you'd love to talk about before we wrap up? Well, I think you've wrapped me up very nicely, very complimentary. But I, I just want to say as well, I don't want anybody to feel like there's anything special about me. You know, I said earlier that uni never felt like an option for me. Uh, I had a lot of difficulties with school. And, and it never, it didn't seem like an option because frankly, it wasn't. I didn't get the, the grades. I didn't even take the courses you would need. And so, you know, I, I struggled with ADHD as well. I didn't know that at the time, but, um, you know, I'm just a person. There's nothing mm. unique or special about me that, uh, has meant I have succeeded in this, in this area that I'm, I'm doing this well other than um, that, you know, I really spent the time to look at what it was that I was important to me. 
Um, so regardless of your field, you know, and I, I'd, so I, you've wrapped me up very nicely, but I just want to sort of bring myself down a little bit and sort of say, well, you know, I'm just an everyday person. I, um, that's just giving it a go. Yeah. And that, that's what I love. And that's what my podcast is kind of about. I feel like I've never really, I've never really brought on anyone who's like super famous or successful. Um, and I, I could have, I've had offers to have some big name people on. I just wasn't a big fan of them, but I think, and I would love to get some big name people on in the future, but I do feel like the core of my podcast is always going to be, you know, everyday people who are relatable because I think you can go listen to whoever you want on podcasts who are the most successful people in the world, but you're so far, dis- you're so f- I think there's a big disconnect between them because they're, you know, they're 40, they've achieved all the stuff that they don't realize what we're going through as young people. Um, whereas someone like you, I think is very relatable and that's what I really enjoy getting people like you on. And so I do think saying, you know, every, an everyday person, there's nothing special is a compliment because it means that the listeners of the show don't have the excuse that she's got, she doesn't have any advantage over you. And that's where it's like, okay, great. If you can really start to understand that you can go, I could do this. I could, you know, create my own career. I could follow this, blah, blah. I could travel. I can do whatever it is. Um, and really, if you really put your mind to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'd hope that that would be a takeaway for people because, you know, I don't see, it's not offensive to say that I'm an everyday person. Um, I am, and, and I'm just working really hard toward this goal and, and giving it a go. So, and I, th- I would encourage people to try to do that. I think, you know, if they're here listening to you and listening to this conversation and the conversations that you have, they're halfway there. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. That's what I always say. It's like the fact that you're just listening to this podcast has already put your head of so many young people because you're actively searching for stuff. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're taking time to listen to something educational, even though it might, might not be as entertaining as other things or as fun, but this is educational. And I think, you know, that's how I got to where I was. I was just list- listening to podcasts, um, really discovering through books and podcasts, really, uh, mm-hmm. mainly podcasts because I don't enjoy reading personal development books that much. I enjoy other types of books, but um, yeah, stuff like this is really important. So I think you're right. If you're listening, if you've, especially if you've made it this far into the episode, you know, you're crushing it. Good job. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, awesome, Kirsten. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. But before we wrap up and um, get to the end of it, I have a final question, which I ask every single guest. And that is, what would your number one piece of advice be to the younger generation, uh, like an 18-year-old or something? Wow, that's a heavy question. Yeah, it's um, tough. <laughs> Oh, look, yeah, and we've said so much of it already about, you know, discovering and just asking those hard questions of yourself. And um, I think that would be my advice. Ask yourself some hard questions. You know, who are the people around you? What do they what do they add to your life? What do you add to theirs? What is it that you find important? What do you find interesting? What do you enjoy? Um, you know, all of those things, whether you're you know, you are going to enter the workforce, you're going to travel, like those answering, answering those questions will help you. And so I think just sitting in and asking those difficult questions of yourself um, and of the people around you too, what what does that person add? Um, You know, that those are really important things and and something I wish I did a heck of a lot earlier, frankly, Um, and something I do regularly is, is just checking in on myself and my life and making sure that you know, sure, because it's so easy to get caught up in whatever goal it is I'm working on and and neglect that. And I think it's mm. it's just so incredibly important and, and a life skill that I would advocate um, and challenge people to do that. Well, the quality of the questions you ask dictate the quality of response. So if you want to learn more and get better responses and 
you know, just figure out more in life, ask better questions. And that will, you know, if you ask high quality and better questions, that'll change a lot. And yeah, I think understanding that when you graduate school, you're not done learning, you know, it's just the beginning. You need to, you're constantly learning. You need to be constantly learning, discovering who you are. And it's not going to happen if you don't, it's not going to happen organically. You need to put in effort to do mm-hmm. it. I think that's a good message. Like the self-discovery thing, maybe it'll happen organically slowly over time. But if you put an effort, you take a year off or you travel, you do this stuff, you put get out of your comfort zone constantly, you're going to discover who you are and what you want to achieve um, mm. a lot earlier. I think it's it's easy to not pay attention. Um, it's much more difficult to pay attention and ask those questions, mm. but it's much more valuable. The reward is incredibly high. I think you can maybe, maybe, go through your whole life and not really ask yourself those questions, not really understand those fundamentals of yourself and the people around you and, you know, your direction. Um, but that's <laughs> doesn't sound valuable to me at all. That sounds awful, um, you know, and, and I, I just think it's really incredibly important. You've, we've got to – things are hard. We've got to take care of ourselves and how mm. can you do that? Well, you better understand who you are um, and, you know, to, to start answering those questions. So, yeah, For I think sure. it's fundamental. And I actually have res- on my website, I have resources, a free downloadable five questions you should ask yourself and like five really powerful questions. And I can't remember them off the top of my head. But one of my favorite questions is um, if you were told you're going to die today in five years time, what would you do differently? And I love that question because most people say, you know, if you're going to die tomorrow, what would you do differently? If you're going to die in a year's time. And it's kind of like, well, and realistically in, a, in that scenario, I would just travel and have fun and spend as much time with my friends and family. But five years is long enough where you go, well, I can't just travel. I'll run out of money. It's a, it's a kind of a long time. And it's like, well, mm. what, do, what do I want to do in five years? And, you know, I think I would say I wouldn't change too much. I'd keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and for me, that feel, that kind of shows me I'm aligned with what I want to do and who I want to be. Yeah, that'd be my answer as well. And and I think it's really important. If if you are asked a question like that or ask it of yourself and you immediately think about all the things you would change, that helps you so much. Yeah, exactly. And then you go, well, why don't you change it? Well, because That's of this, it. because of this. And they make excuse after excuse. And it's like, yeah. you're going to die in five years, buddy. Get out of yeah, that yeah, job. Yeah, exactly. Get out of that relationship. My God. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, you know, travel seems really difficult at the moment. And, yeah, it is. But you can travel where you are. Um, you know, there are options. So it's not something that, that people should just write off. Well, I mean, traveling now, hopefully COVID has woken up people to be like, man, I want to, tra- I mean, everyone I know wants to travel as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. And um, annoyingly, the rest of the world seems to be, tra- well, not the rest, but a, a large chunk of the world is traveling, America, UK. Um, they're all traveling around and we're stuck in lockdown still. Um, but, you know, we will open up eventually. And I think go travel, you know, do mm-hmm. that trip. I've got friends who went straight to university and they've kind of all just graduated. And one of my mates was saying, you know, now I don't want to enter. The, I don't want to get a full time job yet. I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. I want to do something. I want to go travel. And I'm like, yeah, dude, do it. Because once you get that full time job, you might be pressured to climb the corporate ladder. And if you take a, a year off, you might lose your position. And so you never want to take time off. When you're young, you know, you've got no kids, you've got no responsibilities, you can take a year off and travel and just live in hostels and spend little money, spend, you know, 10 bucks a day on food and stuff. And you can live that lifestyle. Your body can handle it. Um, Maybe not so much when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you know, I traveled so much when I was younger and I mean, I'll never stop traveling. You probably say the same, but um, I completely agree. I lived in a hostel when I was in London for nearly two years. 
Um, and it gave me so many opportunities, but would I do that again? Um, probably yeah, not. not now. <laughs> yeah. <And that's> <laughs> um, a... If I had to, I'm sure I'd find a way, but yeah, yeah. you know, there, there's just so much, uh, to learn. And I would just encourage people, you know, there's no such thing as, well, we'll wait for COVID to pass. Um, just do it. Just do it now. If you know that that's what you want to do. We live in such a unique environment. I mean, I won't get all science nerdy on you, but you can't find so much of what we have in the rest of the world. So just open up your, your door, just make it happen. Um, mm. See what's out there. Um, you know, visit the barrier reef. Go oh, to the actually, desert. Yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, obviously right now with Sydney, I can't, we're fully locked down. We can't do anything, mm. but like October, um, you know, in about, you know, three weeks, we should be lowering restrictions and we can start traveling around New South Wales again and then hopefully Queensland and stuff. I'm actually yeah. going to the Great Barrier Reef in January, which is very exciting. So, oh my God, where are you, know you going? Lady Elliot Island. I do. There's so many manta rays there. Yeah, How exciting. Yeah. It's really They're exciting. So amazing. I've got yeah. no hesitation to plug that island. Definitely go there. Oh, it's phenomenal. I've been there before. Mm-hmm. My, it's my mum planned the trip and she, man, we're, we're just saying like, we're pretty confident by then we'll be at a, like a high yeah. enough vaccination rate. We'll be sweet to travel, but if mm-hmm. that gets cancelled, it'll be gutting. But anyway, the thing is, is, it does present an opportunity. Start saving. You mm. know, you oh, can't my, go anywhere. My holiday, you, you... my holiday savings account is really high right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but just start saving. You know, if it's dreadful what's going on, I take nothing away from that. But look for the opportunities, and they are there to be found. That's the mm. point. Yeah, it's the whole growth mindset. And how can you take, what can you get out of this? So for me, like mm. lockdowns really sucked, but you know, there's been benefits. I've been able to do stuff and I've been working on the Gap Year program. And even though I feel like I've lost a few months and momentum, I'm still doing stuff. Um, mm. But yeah. Anyways, Kirsten, this was a really fun episode. I think what this was really Thank valuable. You so much. I think it's, um, a good generic episode for people to listen to. It talks a lot about the fundamental mindset of this podcast, traveling, um, discovering what you want to do and stuff. Um, I'll probably title title it something about self-discovery. Um, but for anyone who wants to get in contact with you, follow you online, figure out more about what you want to do or what, what you do and what they want to do, where's the best place to go? So I have a website, which is um, kirstenslement.com, which I'll give, uh, we can put in the link. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can probably just give you some links, Byron, actually. the um, But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and those links will be at the bottom of the show notes as usual. Um, otherwise, Kirsten, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. What a pleasure.